Welcome to the Adventure for Good podcast. We're your hosts, Chris and Kim. In June 2018, we both left our careers at the age of 31 and started traveling with the mission of finding and creating work locally in the United States and around the world that inspires us while helping other people and the environment. This podcast documents our adventures as well as highlights the inspirational people that we meet along the way. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to episode 13. We're Chris and Kim, right? I am Chris. <laughs> what are we talking about today? Portak Thai, Chile. Portak Thai, not Puerto Octai. Right, because when you say Puerto Octai, the bus driver says, I don't understand anything you're saying, and then they leave without us. I know. To me, yes. Because <laughs> you have to say Portak Thai as fast as you possibly can. So... This city slash town to town. Yeah, it's not very big. <laughs> is in uh, the lakes region of Chile, probably about two thirds of the way down the country. Yeah, some people call it the gateway to Patagonia, but it's We're not, not qu- those people. It's not quite. It's it's just also more- some people call it Patagonia so they can sell you more tourism. True. It's just north of Patagonia where yeah. that starts. Yeah. And we signed up to do a workaway there, and we flew in, and actually the workaway host, Nico, picked us up from a restaurant, which was really nice of him. He normally would take the bus, but he picked us up and bought us a coffee, actually, <laughs> and then took us to the restaurant. He, he was setting the bar high for workaway hosts. Yes, very high. And the restaurant is called Espantapajaros, which... Definitely took us both some time to learn how to say, but it means scarecrow, uh, which is pajaros is bird, and espanta must mean scare. <laughs> it does. Well done. <laughs> really nailed it. Yeah. So, yeah, we worked, we signed up for this work away. Uh, basically, the work there was to help. It, it's a restaurant and organic farm, and they have sheep and cows and one pig. And llamas. Chickens and llamas. Actually, they don't have chickens anymore because the, the minks ate them all. But anyway, so our job was to help keep the grass mowed, keep things looking nice, weed vegetables, help in the gardens, and just kind of do, do odd jobs. Yeah. We would work every day from about 10 to 4, but we'd have a break for lunch. And the awesome part was... One of the awesome parts was that they would let us eat at the restaurant for free uh, for lunch at noon and then at dinner whenever we wanted, which was amazing because it was an all-you-could-eat German buffet. Yeah, it was German and Chilean food, and it's one of the highest-rated restaurants in in the whole part of the country. So The whole region, yeah. Yeah, so it was always super busy and... We had awesome, awesome food. Plus a dessert bar almost every single day. Almost, yeah, every <laughs> single day. So We had to tell ourselves that we would only eat dessert one day and, like, every other day, but it, it was so hard. Every, all the food was so delicious. So we may have not eaten the healthiest that month and a half, but... Yeah, well, that, that brings up the next point, which is we were there for seven weeks. Yeah. Almost eight weeks uh, from... The middle of 
November right through until about January 6th, January 7th. So we spent the U.S. Thanksgiving and then Christmas and then New Year's. All at this restaurant. At the restaurant. So that we, we kind of planned it that way uh, because we knew it was going to be a pretty nice situation based, based, on, yeah. based on the reviews. And so we wanted to spend Christmas somewhere that we were really going to enjoy and feel comfortable and mission accomplished. Yeah, it was it was amazing. Our living situation, so the the farm and restaurant is about a kilometer away from this farmhouse that they also owned and that's where all the volunteers lived. And I have no idea what year that farmhouse was built, but I don't know, 1500. <laughs> it was old and rickety. There, there's a guy that lives there named Antonio who is a fascinating person, but then all he has his own room downstairs, and then there's three volunteer rooms upstairs, and we all share one bathroom. Well, he's sort of like the curator, right? He, he, yeah. He, work, he sort of works for the farm, but he also raises, like, his own animals and does his own gardening. But So he's, he's associated with the farm, but not directly, and he basically keeps the house up and then volunteers come and go yeah so when we moved in there were six of us there was us two there was a couple from spain and then there was a couple from the swiss german border one was swiss one was german Mm -hmm. and yeah then throughout our time there those people left we had another couple come in uh, one came in from Germany, yep. then a, a, a young woman came in from Brazil, and then a family of five came in from France. Yeah, right before we left, we had eight people living in that house. Try again. Seven. Nine. Oh, I forgot about Camila. Okay, so with the Brazilian girl. Yeah. Nine, nine people, one bathroom. Yeah, not our favorite situation, but at least everyone was really nice. Yeah, no, the people were great, and I think we all made it work pretty well. Yeah, so yeah. That that was maybe our only like complaint was sometimes it could get a little crowded in in the house. But the food and the work and, and honestly, the, the hosts uh, made up for it. So the the owner of the restaurant is a woman named Cornelia. Cornelia, (laughs) Cornelia, yes. And she started the restaurant like 18, 19 years ago with her father. Mm -hmm. And she's been running it ever since. Uh, Yeah, she's just a a really, really nice person. Her and her husband, Matthias, are like the the epitome of what it means to be workaway hosts because it's we mentioned Nico earlier he's sort of the workaway coordinator and he's one of the managers at the restaurant but Cornelia owns the restaurant besides workaway they also host people from woofing which is uh, an organic farm volunteering site and warm showers which is a, a site where people who are doing bike touring can stop and have like a, a meal and a place to sleep and a place to to take a shower so they basically any opportunity they get to give back and have volunteers and learn and meet people from around the world they they take which is 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 awesome yeah we were constantly seeing a, a influx of different people from all over the world in that restaurant and there were times we would be sitting around the dinner table and you could hear german spanish french portuguese yeah. and english being spoken so sometimes all by the same person <laughs> yeah 
Antonio. Not, not us. <laughs> no, we got by with English and our limited Spanish. It was a, I guess the people there, like Chris said, were wonderful. I guess let's talk about the work we did a little bit. Well, we, I did. We, we, we did the gardening uh, and we did a lot of lawn mowing. I think maybe the ultimate lawn mowing situation was there was a, what, one of the things that Cornelia also does is she, she does a lot to give back to the community. So she organizes a Christmas fair every year at a museum that they also, uh, basically they helped raise all the money to get the museum built. And then now they host a Christmas fair there where there's like music and booths and people sell crafts. But like most of the year, nobody touches the the lawn and like doesn't get mowed or taken care of. And it's probably about three, three and a half, four acres, something yeah, like that. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a, pretty big. It's a pretty big piece of property. And so the one of the first weeks we were there, us and the couple from Swiss German, the mm-hmm. Swiss German couple, we spent a week straight using a weed whacker <laughs> and a push mower to cut the entire thing from about three feet tall down to normal grass level. Yeah. It took us, I think, eight full days of work over there because we had to cut it all and rake it all and then t- with one wheelbarrow <laughs> take it all, all the grass clippings behind the building. Yeah. And, and then every couple of days we would have to go back and mow because it would rain. It was like a really like really good mix of rain and sun, which is great if you're trying to grow things, not great if you have to mow the lawn. <laughs> so we we probably spent a good thirty percent of our time mowing that. Mowing well the museum and also the lawn at the restaurant yeah, is pretty big. Which and is probably another three or four acres of yeah. it's basically a giant farm. So yeah. yeah. We did a lot of lawn mowing. We got really good at it. And <laughs> Yeah, so it was mostly that, and then, yeah, we helped out at the Christmas festival. We we mm-hmm. t- tended the booth, I suppose, really, which we just sat around and ate the food they cooked. I, I was going to say, we just sat there and ate food. But, yeah, it was, it was just, yeah, it was really awesome. And it was, the other nice thing about it was the, again, going back to the hosts, they, like, we would try to find work to do, and if there just wasn't much to do that day, I think Nico's favorite line was, Relax. This isn't a Nike factory. Yeah. So he, he he always wanted us to have a beer. T- don't don't work too hard. It's and, o- it's okay. You can relax if there's not much to do, or if it's raining that day and you can't get outside very easily. Like just chill. That and attitude was really awesome to to have him. And it, and, it, and it makes you want to work harder when you are working, and because we don't want to just go and be lazy but it is nice if you're having an off day and you want to not and he's like yeah whatever i don't care yeah or if there's really not that much to do you don't feel that bad about it we also did a lot of picking strawberries and raspberries the raspberry bushes were oh there were a lot of them and they were very full and so what was our, our record was like 22 kilos in one day yeah between us and two of the other volunteers yeah So, yeah, 45, 50 pounds of raspberries in a day. (laughs) Yeah, that was a lot. I may have eaten a few. I ate zero. (laughs) That's stealing. You don't like raspberries. We also weeded carrots. That was probably my least favorite task. Yep. Because it was really, really slow. But anyway. So, so besides that, things that we did while we were there that were not work-related, Nico loved to try to force us on adventures. (laughs) Even... (laughs) 
strongly like, encourage, I would say. So we like one time we went on a like a day hike with him. He drove. He was like, "Well, if you if you'll split the gas with me, we'll drive a couple hours and go do this really cool hike." And we saw the great granddaddy Alerce tree. Yeah. Which the Alerce trees grow. They'll grow for thousands and thousands of years, but they grow really really slow. So like a like a two hundred year old Alerce tree is maybe like 20 feet tall. They're a very valuable resource here, mm-hmm. and it's actually illegal to cut them down at this point. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the value in them is they build you know a lot of shingles and siding out of them because they, they don't mold and they don't rot. So you'll see houses that have these shingles and siding, and they've been holding up for 100 years, and they look the same as they did when they put them up more. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. And that tree was, it was not as big as we expected, but it was still beautiful to see. I mean, it was big. It was 3,500 years old. Yeah. I think it was like the third or fourth oldest tree in the world. Yeah, we'll we'll post some pictures. (laughs) So that was neat. And then he also, uh, we don't have all of our camping gear with us, but he kept telling us that we had to go and do this like, Backpacking trek. Yeah, backpacking trek to an area called Cochamo, not to be confused with the Beach Boys song. Although we did sing that song quite a few times while we were hiking. I No, I didn't do that. <laughs> but So Cochamo is known as the Yosemite of Chile. Yeah. And we'll post some pictures because if you look at it, it looks a lot like Yosemite, and it's just giant rock faces, and you kind of sit in a valley. It's really amazing, and he... He told us for like three weeks straight that we have to go, we have to go, we have to go. And yeah. he was going to give us, he let us use his tent, his sleeping pad, his cook stove, all of his camping dishes. Uh, Basically, the only gear we took were our clothes, our sleeping bags, and our backpacks. Yeah. Like everything else we used was his. <laughs> yeah, and he gave us he gave us like hot chocolate powder from the restaurant, powdered milk from the restaurant. Let us use his hiking poles. Yeah. He, yeah. he basically was the gear supply for us, which was awesome. And he, he's... He allowed it, the trip to happen for sure. Well, and he forced it to happen. <laughs> Strongly encouraged. <laughs> so luckily it was, other than the first day, which was a, a long hike uh, in, in the rain, yeah. it was, we had beautiful blue skies and not another drop of water the rest of the time we were there. So Yeah, it was a four-day trip, and Chris and I had not been backpacking in a couple of years, and we had not carried heavy packs like that, and we started hiking, and I remember within the first 20 minutes, both of us looked at each other and were like, what did we get ourselves into? Because it was like a 20-kilometer, 22-kilometer hike one way just to get to the campsite, and Nico was like, oh, you'll find, you'll, you'll follow the trail. It's no big problem there. You know, it's easy to see. And of course, one of the first things Chris and I did was lose the trail. We didn't lose the trail. The trail was not marked. Right. At all. So we, we did get off a little bit. I think we were on a shortcut. No, (laughs) no. But we decided to backtrack and go find the, the Chris was ducking under all of these trees with his big backpack on and I was like yelling at him like this is not correct like we are not in the right place so we had to backtrack and go around but we ended up spending two full days out there and then hiked back and it was beautiful once we got there it was totally worth it we did do a day hike up to another mountain there 
that was a beautiful. We also lost the trail at that point, too, because they, again, did not mark their trails. And actually, maps for this area, like, did they, not exist. Yeah, they, no, they don't make a map. It's apparently so well known that they don't need maps, I guess. I don't know. But nevertheless, we had a fun trip. Yeah. And it was beautiful. And, again, it was the generosity and hospitality of our, our workaway hosts that allowed it to happen. And so I would just say if anybody's ever looking into workaway and you have the chance to go volunteer here and live here, it would be a good idea. Yeah. It was one of our best experiences, that's for sure. And the people really made the difference. Let's see. Other trips we did, there's not too many other ones. We we went to the Hot Springs. We went to the Hot Springs, which is a couple hours north. Yeah, we rented a car one weekend. Because the other thing that happened a few times, which was we just... When you're living in a house with four or six or seven other people, sometimes you need to just have some alone time. Get away and, a little and that's bit. that's not a euphemism, just like get, <laughs> get out of the space. And so we did like one night, we stayed the night in a town nearby and went to a, a show at the theater. Yeah, um, we went to see the Nutcracker. A handful of years ago, five or six years ago, they built a a multi-million dollar like beautiful theater right on the right on the water and it overlooks the water and out the back you can see the volcanoes so that was really cool we went and saw a show there and then one of the other things we did was we went and went to the hot springs and stayed the night in an airbnb just to reset yeah and the hot springs were beautiful you said about everything i know because the whole area was amazing We spent Christmas and New Year's at, and I guess Thanksgiving, although no one celebrates Thanksgiving there. Um, Nico said Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's true. For Christmas, they had a really nice breakfast on Christmas Eve. Everyone there celebrates on the 24th, so we got to have take part in the breakfast in the morning. Well, you got to take part, you and Jerry. Oh, yeah. We got gifts which was super nice of Cornelia. And she got us these cookie tins. Mine was labeled. Well, it was, it was a group breakfast for the entire workforce of the restaurant and their families, I believe. So there was probably 60 or 70 people in that room. There was a lot of people. There were a lot. And everybody got gifts and did a gift exchange. And the day before, she's like, oh, I forgot to tell you there's a gift exchange. And since I forgot to tell you, I just bought you gifts. <laughs> So we got gifts. So we got these little cookie tins, and mine said, To Kim, Voluntaria, and Chris's said, To Jerry, Voluntario. <laughs> so apparently after seven weeks of volunteering with people, they still didn't know my name. <laughs> but I think they liked me. They liked you, but I... Well, they I, liked Jerry. Even when we left, I still don't know if they knew your name. That's Nico okay. did, but I don't think Cornelia did. That's okay. I like to fly under the radar. <laughs> And Christmas was pretty quiet. We had that evening, we had some wine with Antonio that lived at the house. And um, Camila. She wasn't there yet. She came after Christmas. That's right. It was just us and Antonio. Yep. A lot of people came and went. (laughs) She was there for New Year's. So for New Year's, they came. But before that was my birthday. We had a really low-key... Christmas and my birthday, I think we mowed the lawn because pretty much we did that every day. And then 
One of the days after Christmas, Cornelia and Matias were very nice to let them let us borrow one of their cars, and we took their old Subaru Outback um, around the lake, which was, I don't know, maybe a couple-hour drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a beautiful drive. And one of the things that we did that was maybe not a good idea was <laughs> we, we tried to drive up the volcano with the car, and it was a bit of an older car. And... Well... Let's just say there was a time where Chris was driving the car and went to shut it off, and the keys had fallen off the, out of the ignition and onto the floor, and the car was still running. So it was an older <laughs> car, but it, was, it ran just fine. It did. I'm just saying. Uh, the, so the, the, the funny part here was we took it up. I would say, not having now gone to the top of the volcano when a different car... We were about a third of the way. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, and it was really the first place that you could stop, and there's a little parking lot and an overlook, and you could turn around. And the car wasn't saying that it was hot. Like, the little temperature gauge didn't say it was hot. But Pretty when, sure it was just broken. When we, when we stopped, there was, like, smoke billowing out from under the hood. <laughs> and then we got out, and we were trying to, like... To distance ourselves from the car for a couple of, well, if it caught on fire, we didn't want to get burned up. And then we also didn't want people to know that it was us. <laughs> but, but then there was this guy standing right behind the car trying to take pictures of the view, but he was literally in a cloud of smoke. And I don't know, he didn't even notice it. He was, he was just standing there taking photos in this fog. And the cloud, the, the smoke was just enveloping him completely. So the, the problem is, we had to get back down the mountain, and... We didn't end up going any further, yeah. um, just that was a smart move. So so it was a stick shift, and going down the mountain, the best option usually is to use the car to engine brake, so you don't burn up your brakes, but I couldn't engine brake, because if I did, it was going to overheat, and then... And it was if, already smoking. And then, so I had to use the brakes, and then the brakes started smoking, so we had to keep stopping every couple of minutes to let let both the brakes and the engine cool down so we could use one or the other to move further. It was a it was a fun day. Yeah, it was an adventure. <laughs> so we we yeah, we went up the volcano. Sorry about the car. Hopefully they don't listen. <laughs> it was fine. It it was fine. There's nothing no harm done. I think it was Everything stopped smoking. It it looked good. It ran. And, and we drove it many times after that. And it ran just fine. So yeah. I think we're all good. New Year's, we spent with a few other volunteers. It was Camila, and there was a girl from Germany that was there as well. And it was pretty quiet, but we had agreed to all meet up around like 9 or 10 o'clock at night and play some cards. And... We were in the big farmhouse where we were living, and we came downstairs to play cards, and we heard this ruckus outside, and Antonio, the guy that lived there, has a dog. Well, we so he has chickens, and he had been telling us for the past couple weeks that there was foxes that kept eating his chickens, and so we heard a chicken going crazy, and we thought, oh shit, a chicken is getting eaten by a fox, so we went and I ran outside to see if I could see it and Antonio's dog was sitting on the porch chewing on a on a live chicken and then he Lynn Lynn was the dog proceeded to eat the entire chicken yeah and leave a big mess of feathers on the yeah so we were we were watching this dog tear feathers off this chicken 
it was it's, disgusting. It's, it's pretty messed up. But also hard not to watch. So that was, um, she just wanted a little bit of a New Year's Eve dinner. So we'll post pictures of that too. I also <laughs> took video. Maybe we'll post the video. <laughs> yeah. But. That was our New Year's Eve. Yeah, so that was more or less everything we did. We also had some friends come visit. Uh, some friends from Michigan Tech came and visited for a couple of days. They were doing some touring down there, and they stopped by, and we went back to the hot springs and stayed at an Airbnb and poked around one of, the, one of the touristy towns with them. Which was a lot of fun. That was fun. And it was really fun to see people from home, too. It had been a while since we'd seen friends, so it was fun to... I guess have that familiarity. And then right before we left, so Chris's dad came down to visit and we were supposed to pick him up at the airport. But before we could do that, uh, it's tradition that all volunteers that work at this restaurant, you have to make dinner for the family and the other volunteers that are there before you leave, which is a little bit intimidating because everyone here at the restaurant, I guess everyone's really good cooks. So we had our work cut out for us. We weren't sure what to make, but we ended up with pancakes, black beans, uh, like uh, Cuban style black beans and an egg bake. And it turned out really good. We were a little skeptical, but everyone said it was the best food they'd had in a long time. Yes. It turned out really good. And it was an adventure trying to make it because we are just trying to get everything from the kitchen and communicate with the kitchen staff, but it all worked out and everyone loved it, so we were really happy. Also, one thing I wanted to mention, we, we mentioned earlier that it was a German-Chilean restaurant, and I just wanted to clarify on that briefly before we say toodaloo. Mm-hmm. The, so this area of Chile is heavily German-influenced, so most people in this maybe 100-kilometer radius around this town. Portoctay. All speak German and Chilean, and a lot of their words are they're a mix of German and Spanish. So, or Ger- they speak German and Spanish, but... Yeah, Chilean Spanish. Chilean Spanish. But so, like, words like Kuchen, which is... It's a German word that means cake, but they use it ubiquitously in this area and everyone speaks German or Spanish or both or both so uh, the family that owned the restaurant again the the woman who owned it her family is Chilean and then her husband Matias is he's from Germany and he came to Chile when he was like 11 or 12 mm-hmm. something I like that I believe also her father was from Germany yeah, and her mom is from Chile. Yeah. So that's why the German-Chilean mix happened. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the food is it's very interesting. It's a lot of, like, grilled meats and then a lot of German stuff like sauerkraut and potatoes. Potatoes, And then you also get some, some seafood influence, uh, mainly seaweed or kelp, because yeah. they have a lot of that because they're fairly close to the ocean. So... It's a, it's a pretty interesting mix. And the other thing that's really cool about the family is currently alive right now, living in, like, basically on the farm, is Cornelia's mom, Cornelia's grandmother, all of Cornelia's kids. She has three. And then uh, her sister, Cornelia's sister. Uh-huh. And then one of Cornelia's kids just had a baby daughter. 
a baby boy. Baby boy. And so they have a photo where there's literally five generations mm-hmm. standing in front of the restaurant, which is just is pretty cool. It's pretty cool, to, yeah. To see that. Not so. many families have five generations living, so. I guess they weren't all standing because the baby was like a week old. Yeah. <laughs> but they were all in the photo. <laughs> else i think we covered it i think we covered it pretty perfect yeah the next episode will be a review of our time um traveling with chris's dad actually so episode 14 next week or two weeks from now chris's dad visited for three weeks and we had a fantastic time with him so we're going to talk about what we did you can follow us on Instagram at underscore Adventure for Good or on Facebook. And you can also find us on our website, adventureforgood.com. That's it. Thanks, everyone. Ciao.